Happy Wednesday! Hey. Yeah, another one. It's the last Wednesday of July. It is. I'm 19 weeks pregnant today, which is crazy. Yeah, I'm you're almost. having a, a Toy Story alien baby. I am. It's the size, <laughs> it's the size she yeah. is right now. She, that's how big she is. It's the size of an alien from the claw machine. That's right, that's right. Uh, so this is Rachel Vogt. I'm so excited to be here with my best friend, Jesse Anderson. Yay. Uh, as you probably already know if you've been listening to these, which you have. Yes. And we're excited. <laughs> yeah. We both are getting messages now, which is uh, really great, too, because sometimes I'm like, I wonder if Jess believes me when I tell her that people are actually telling us they're listening and messaging. And now you have your own yeah. message vault to add to. So that's really great. We just appreciate you guys being here. Um, we know it's small. We know it's quaint. We know it's... Lincoln, Nebraska range. Um, but that's cool because, again, like if you're a part of my VIP page or Jess's or her boudoir page, um, you already know. Like it, that's what we start with. I mean, at some point we started with one listener. At some point we started with one VIP member. Mm-hmm. So that's how it goes. But um, it just warms my heart when I get a notification that somebody favorited the podcast. Oh, yeah. 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 So welcome back. And we appreciate you being here. We hope that we can deliver um, a really great podcast today. So before we do, make sure to let them know where can they find you. Photoswithanderson.com or on Facebook. You can also search for my private group. It's Boudoir Photos with Anderson. And you should really check that out as soon as possible because I'm, I'm planning on announcing my outdoor boudoir sessions we're going to go to the lake in august but i'm planning lake um i'm i'm leaning toward branched oak i think yeah let's talk about this afterwards i thought you had a private place no i couldn't find one but um we're going to do it in august but i'm going to announce all the details of that and it's going to be first come first serve because i can't have a million ladies um scheduled for the same day because i'm pregnant and fat and i don't want to be outside (laughs) uh that's exciting um water i think will be a really good addition for sure yes so um tonight is the empowerment class it's Mm -hmm. the first one that i've done since um corona shut us all down for social distancing so i'm really excited because um i don't know if it was i feel like it's a combination of not only not doing the class for a while but also people kind of going through whatever this summer and i'm not gonna lie like me being consistent as heck with dropping content and telling people they deserve better and if they're struggling right now that they're they don't have to kinds of things. So we have our largest empowerment class happening this evening. So if you have been struggling a little bit, feeling a little anxiety in your life, a little depression, a little discord, it's a great place to be if you're looking to empower yourself uh, and get some momentum going in your wealth, your relationships, your mental and physical well-being, your spirituality, and of course, your passion. So let me know. I haven't set my August dates, but I am going to be doing two Oh, yeah. In August, a Wednesday evening and a Saturday morning, so we can try to cater to schedules. That's awesome. I know. And then tomorrow, we're back cooking in the kitchen. I got the recipe today. I'm not sharing it, though. I'm really excited because uh, Alicia last week picked feta cheese, two weeks ago, feta cheese, uh, mangoes, and cinnamon as the mm. ingredients, right? We talk- I said that last week because Tony was... I think needed an extra week. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He, didn't, he just needed a break last week, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be good. Gonna be and I heard that you're going to have a special guest this week. Ah! <laughs> I can confirm and not deny. <laughs> as far as I know, it's not, not like that my marriage depends on it, but <laughs> listen, I like I like try to roll with as much integrity as possible. So if we say we're going to show up, we're going to show up. But I was very cautious about the specific wording I used just in case. 
But I, I sound like you might have a special guest. Yay. A bald special guest. If <laughs> that doesn't matter. I'm excited, and I may just show up at your house to watch hey, the you can live just, video. You can just come film. <laughs> exactly. and you can eat it right at the end. Yes. Oh, thank you, heaven. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it'll be good. Okay, so make sure you tune in tomorrow, yes, at 7 p.m. Central Time. So, today. Uh, we are going to be continue doing a continuation. Last week, if you tuned into the podcast, we were very, very lucky to have a special guest, Haley Holt, who does plan to come back um, as a guest as well later um, on sometime. She just was unable to make it today, but... It was a really great podcast. It kind of deviated from where Jess and I were, but it doesn't matter because it perfectly fit in with everything. But we're going to just wrap back to the podcast before and talk about the kinds of things that we hear in our ordering room. If you're kind of new to Jess and I, uh, we have both been in the intimacy coaching field. Um, I mean, combined, What? Would, how long were you in it? Four years. Oh, my gosh. I know. <laughs> I can't do mental math. So, t- I mean, technically, I'm going to count it as eight because I celebrate yeah. eight years next month, right? Yeah. So, 16, right? That one I can do. I could have done seven and four. I would have had to add it like this. Eight and four is 12. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, combined 12 years. 12 years experience in... Um, Intimacy and wellness, which means, moreover, like we have more than medical degree training. Yeah. Okay, I shouldn't say training because that's not fair. But you know what I mean. So um, we have a lot of experience talking to women, talking to strangers, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, finding out the best things we can for you when we see reoccurring patterns, when um, things drastically change, Mm -hmm. um, so on and so forth. So we don't have, like, a specific order to this... um, these subjects and everything, but it's just kind of a, a culmination. That's the word culmination of ordering room experience. So yeah. the way up, um, our environment works, our company works is that you do a, a demo in front of women only 18 years or older, feminine energy, I should specify. And depending on how you are as a consultant, you have the option to entertain empower, and educate and I definitely feel like I do all three, but I very much, well, I would say I do all three. I think that the demo itself that I run is very entertaining mm-hmm. and very informative, Yes. but the empowerment is the wrap up. Like they don't even think they've been empowered, but they have by the education portion. Exactly. And I was, that's exactly what I was going to say is I feel like I focus more on the education tidbits. Yeah. Things that should be common knowledge, but I've quickly found out are not common knowledge. And yeah, it, it yeah. constantly blows people's mind, the things that I tell them about their bodies or their po- partner's bodies and the products that we have that can help enhance things. But it's also, it's very entertaining because we talk about sex things and, you know, people are very, t- like, it's taboo, <laughs> taboo mm-hmm. and, like, giddy and, like, laughing. So it's very easy to make those cute little quirky comments and jokes that make everybody a little bit more relaxed and lighten light, lightens the mood a little bit so it's a little right. bit more fun right. but by the end of it especially when they get to the ordering room and we have those one-on-one conversations and people can ask specific detailed about intimate, their life intimate yeah. questions about their life yeah they i feel like they feel empowered when they leave because the proof is in the pudding they keep coming back keep Correct. asking questions yeah i get messages i mean i'm not i'm still active but i'm not actively growing your business growing my business at this at this time but I'm still getting messages from people that I partied with a year ago. Like, mm-hmm. hey, are you still doing this? I have a question. Of course I am. What yeah, can I help you with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've already, especially since I'm doing boudoir photography, I'll always It's just an extension. Exactly. Yeah, it's just an extension. And I think it's a really great expansion yes. from where you're at because you have that intimacy background. You have that availability. It gets me goosebumps. Um, <laughs> you have that availability of knowing what it's going to take to allow somebody to feel comfortable. Oh, yeah. Because... 
That's hard, especially if you've never done it, like oh, being yeah. scantily clothed in front of a stranger and to I, take intimate photos. I don't know what it, like, I honestly don't know what it is about me that makes women so comfortable, but almost every single female that comes to the boudoir sessions, uh, they've, the majority of the women have never done them before. Mm-hmm. They are super nervous. They're like almost shaking sometimes, but, and five to 10 minutes into the session, they're willing to take their, like, they're willing to take their their tops off. Like, I don't make people feel pressured. I compliment, I give genuine compliments. I'm not just hyping you up to, to make you feel good. Like, I'm hyping you up because girl, you haven't seen your ass at this angle and it looks phenomenal. Like, so I, I love it. I love that, that I was able to transition so smoothly between the intimacy coaching business and, and my boudoir sessions. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So um, what we're going to talk about first is, well, let's talk about eating. So, um, as mentioned, when women come into the ordering room, it is definitely a really great opportunity for them because uh, they have either heard something in the demo that was brand new, as you'd mentioned earlier, and they want to talk more about that, or something sparks a memory of an experience for them or something that is consistently happening for them in their relationship right now, or even solo, if they're singles, Pringles, that's cool too. Um, so they get to relate. And what I love, like I make sure that my clients know, like usually during my demo, I just blatantly tell them, like, let's get the elephant out of the room. This stuff that we have, not mandatory for great sex. Uh, but I know that that helps to allow them to feel more comfortable to make a purchasing decision as well because they know that, one, it's no pressure. It's not that this thing is going to be the cure-all yes. for making good things happen. Um, but sometimes people can't just, they just can't justify investments like that. So when you are armed with that knowledge, I think that that's what allows for a really great experience when you can let your guard down to come into the ordering room because I tell people, I'm like, you have to think of your sex life as going to the dentist with me. Like I hear about everything. So it's no different than pulling a tooth versus cavities versus recommending braces, whatever the case may be, you figure out whatever analogy you want to use. But, um, I always want women to know you cannot disgust me. I have zero judgment when it comes to the world of sex. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I won't ever say that I was judgy per se, but there was definitely things that people would tell me that now wouldn't make me make them think differently about them. But it was like cringeworthy. Like I could never. And now I'm like, I'm able to disassociate that. That has nothing to do with my pleasure, my relationship and my intimacy. That's something that for some reason, this person is consenting and safe. So they're getting enjoyment from that experience. And I'm so grateful for that, to be honest, because I think that that resonates when people can like kind of like toe step into a conversation and see that there's zero negative reaction coming from what they're saying then they open up like floodgates oh yeah and people need a safe space to be able to do that they do and it some of my strongest bonds with women right now like friendships have come from the fact that the first time I met them, they were telling me about intimate details about their sex life that mm-hmm. they've never shared with anyone yep some not even to their own partners who they're having Correct. these experiences with Correct. so it's it's an amazing bond and it's, it comes from, it comes from a genuine place of wanting to help people feel empowered, especially with, and own their sex lives. Yeah. Like my Facebook and social media all still says like sexual wellness advocate. Cause even though I'm not actively growing my business, I will, you're for, still a sexual wellness advocate. Yeah, I will forever advocate for, for healthy sex lives and happy, consensual, safe sex lives. Yeah. Yes. Um, cause as we talk about in several podcasts that everything is cyclical, I don't, I, I don't know how you justify I think it'd be different for everybody, but I almost always feel like intimacy edges out almost everything a little bit because oh, yeah. it taps into everything you do. It does. So, 
Okay, cool. So one of the things that I do hear about, Jess uh, says she does as well, and we, we need to talk about this at length, is um, often women have questions about a potential partner with a penis that is unable to either maintain an erection or achieve erections, and that's known as erectile dysfunction. And it's a, a, an umbrella term because it can be a myriad of different things. It can be something that happens every single time. It can be something that happens sporadically. So let's just talk about it. So when women come into my order room and they talk about, like, yes, I have a partner that can't get it up is usually what they say. And um, I always start with qualifying questions. First question is, is it something that happens all the time? Now, is it also, like, usually the very, very first question I say, is it that your partner cannot get it up or is it your partner can achieve an erection but not maintain their erection? Because mm-hmm. those are different things um, and there could be different reasons behind each of those. Um, the second question is how frequently? Is it is it something that happens all the time? Once you get past the frequency of it, I usually ask, is it something that tends to happen when he's alone? And that usually, almost always, they go, oh, I guess I don't know. Well, most of us wouldn't think to ask, no. but that is another important factor to it. But I also think that it's really important that we're talking about this right now because you need to know that if you ask that question, you can't get offended if it's only with you because that doesn't have anything to do with you. Maybe it's performance anxiety. Uh, maybe it's because he had too much to drink. Okay. So you yeah. can never think it's about you. Okay. No. Well, and for my experience, I mean, my boyfriend fiance think about like I'm thankful he does not suffer from ED but there are times where you know he has trouble staying hard but it's because of outside stressors right it's because of physical stress from his job and when he's alone and I'm not there he knows his body he knows when he's actually in the mood 100% and he knows when what he wants but when he when I'm in the the picture because my libido is higher like we talked about there are times where it's like, I want sex, I want sex, I want sex. And he's like, oh, well, I guess I gotta like have sex. Like, you know, it's, he feels obligated sometimes, but his body is too worn out. So it's, it's not that you're. It's not about your physical attraction. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Or even your connection to each other. Exactly. It's just sometimes female bodies, male bodies, everything in between are, are tired. And unless you are the person that owns that body, you will not always 100% know how that other person is feeling. And sometimes they don't want to say, Hey, I'm just too tired. I can't have sex right now because they don't want to let you down. They don't want to come off as a partner that can't have sex at the drop of a hat. Correct. It is, it's performance anxiety. I think, I think you nailed it on the, on the head with Mm -hmm. that, but I wish, and now I'm grateful that I've had these experiences in my own relationship because now we have an understanding that when he tells me that he's tired, I would rather him be upfront and honest, like, sure. hey, babe, I'm tired. Can we can Correct. We, can we wait till later? Yes. Because I would rather wait till later and just be horny the whole night than to be hot and heavy in the middle of it and then him just tap out because right. he right. hit the wall he can't do anymore. Any of that, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so <clears throat> I pulled this up just to narrow it down. Now, of course... In any other circumstance as well, I always make sure my clients have a friendly reminder. I'm not a medical professional. I've never gone to school for any type of certification. I do believe in my heart of hearts that I am amped with as much information as, say, like, a Planned Parent advocate, Planned Parenthood advocate, or, like, even, like, somebody that would be qualified to teach sex ed for high schoolers or something like that. Yes, we Um, are. We are qualified, actually. That's true. That's true. So... I, I can't say I, I would go above and beyond that, 
but I can also tell you that again, for most of the things that I do speak to people about, it's like it's over consistency in conversation. So yes. that's not different than say a doctor. A doctor learns how to diagnose properly from experience and seeing things over and over again outside of a medical book, right? Like we all know that. So the reason I say that is because I'm always going to refer you to your doctor. Uh, but I also think that depending on who your doctor is, it might not be what you're looking for necessarily. So make sure that you, uh, you know, have conversations with your partner about it. But you know, what I talk to people about is, um, the most common things I tend to see is that there's usually some type of correlation with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Usually. And sometimes oddly enough, it's that they perform better with alcohol, which is kind of the opposite of what would usually happen. Yeah. yeah but, um, I think in that instance, that's absolutely about inhibitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they just don't know it yet. They just need a little bit of liquid courage to kind of feel their best. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I have a lot of younger clients that their their partners dabble into some of the harder core drugs for recreation use. But yes. it's it's I can't remember. I think it's ecstasy that if once you have sex on it, people have claimed that it pretty much ruins normal sex. Yes, like, yes. Unless you are in some way. Under the influence of something, like sex oh, will, yeah. will never feel as great, and it just feels like a letdown from then on out. I personally have never experienced having sex on ecstasy, so I can't speak to the truth behind it. But, Correct. But I've had enough clients come to my room and just be like, I fucked up, This I did this over the weekend, and now like, or did this a couple months ago, and now I feel like I don't like sex anymore. I've never had that. <laughs> oh my god, I've never had that. I had an entire, like, um... It wasn't a sorority house, but it was, like, a bunch of college friends oh, that uh-huh. lived together. Like, an entire house of girls that were just, like, we fucked up. We all took it together. We all ended up having sex that night, like, with our significant Partners. others. Mm-hmm. And now we're all, like, really bummed out because nobody enjoys sex as much anymore. Well, that's unfortunate. So maybe a PSA. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do Molly and have sex. Yes. You do Molly. Just don't have sex. Yes. Whatever you do, wait until you're down from high. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so some physical causes of erectile dysfunction could be heart disease, clogged blood vessels, which would make perfect sense considering blood needs to flow to penile tissue to make it erect. That mm-hmm. sounds super sexy, right? But that is what happens. Most people are aware of this, but if you're not, it probably sometimes helps to understand. That's why it's physiological. Yep. That's why you don't have to take it offensively. And when you said earlier that your fiance does not um, suffer from ED, great on you. That is, uh, that's great. But what I what I want to point out is that um, what I've also come to see a lot, especially is for clients who've been with partners for a long time. Um, if you have a partner who, and I don't like to say this because I feel like it pigeonholes, but if your partner's older than you, because I have 100% seen it very consistently with men in their 20s. And then when we talk about like all of these things, I'm like, it's too young. Like, he should be going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I digress. So, you, what is very, very normal for to, um, for partners to see change is as your body ages and changes, your blood flow is just not going to be as quick. Like, that's just normal. So, if you have a partner um, that no, normally is raring to go but is unable to do so, those are some factors to consider. It's also important to consider, have you recently had sex? Because refractory period is a whole completely separate thing from ED, um, but it can affect... Uh, your partner's erections afterwards. They may not be as full. I mean, I think we've all probably experienced that. Well, I can't, I guess I shouldn't say we all, but I think for most women who have had sex with a partner with a penis, like more than one time, maybe in a consistent relationship where you've been able to tell the difference between having sex with a partner, let's say twice in one week versus when you unintentionally or intentionally, whatever, go for a solid two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever it is. Whatever your time frame is that feels like short to long, okay? Mm-hmm. It could be one day versus three days. I don't know. Um, but 
maybe your partner's erection is incredibly strong. Maybe it's bigger than you've ever seen it before. Um, again, that's not a reflection about that you were ugly in the past. It's because it's been such a long time that your partner's incredibly excited. So it can be a lot of different things, right? So high cholesterol, high blood pressure, which is one of the most common. Mm-hmm. Um, and then blood pressure medication, effing it up, by oh, the yeah. way. So oh, well, very common. Very common. And I was going to point out other medications that can mess with testosterone levels mm-hmm. can affect it as well. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where I heard it from. I want to say it was it was from my time as a 911 dispatcher. But um, it, I think it was one of the like medical questions that we asked. But... ED can be the first sign of un- bigger underlying health issues. Absolutely. Like that heart you're disease. at risk for heart attacks, things yep. like that. So yep. if it comes out of nowhere, go see a doctor. Go see a doctor. Which makes perfect sense because as we were talking about, right, penile tissue has to be able to receive blood yep. flow. And that's what um, takes an erection from a penis to an erection. Uh, so if you have clogged blood vessels, which is what leads to a sh- stroke or heart attack, uh, you're not going to have blood flow. Yeah. So definitely very serious. Um, and some other causes, uh, obesity, metabolic syndrome, like a condition involving increased blood pressure, high insulin levels, body fat around the waist and high cholesterol, Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, tobacco use, certain prescription medications, uh, Peyronie's disease. I've never heard of that, but it's a development of scar tissue inside the penis. Oh, weird. Yeah. Um, alcoholism and other forms of substance abuse, as I already mentioned, sleep disorders, treatment for prostate cancer or enlarged prostate. Didn't know that either, but it makes a lot of sense. Surgery or injuries that affect the pelvic area or spinal cord and low testosterone, as just mentioned before. And some psychological uh, causes can be from depression, anxiety, or other mental health conditions, stress, relationships, problems due to stress, poor communication, and other concerns. So my Lord, it's just basically like if you breathe at it wrong, it might not work. (laughs) So... Um, But really just important, okay? Just important to be very graceful because I think I have absolutely run into a lot of females who are mad about it. Oh. Mad about it. I've been one of those females. Like, when you're in the mood and you feel so attracted to your partner and then you, you, it's hard not to take those things personal Mm -hmm. when your partner can't perform or, and your partner can't use his words or communication skills to tell you why. So you just internalize that and your monkey mind goes crazy and you start freaking out thinking that your partner's going to leave you. Right. Been there, done that. But it's with my training, even with some of my intimacy training, it's hard to rewire your brain because we're human and that's in the moment, that's where your brain goes. But it's taking a step back and realizing that their body is a body. It's blood and tissue. Right. And it's not just all... it's not all controlled by attraction. It is controlled by everything else in your life. It's all cyclical. I love that I can say that word now. <laughs> everything contributes to intimacy in the bedroom. Yeah. So. Yes, exactly. Um, just, I, I agree to take the step back, but like the level of anger I've seen over it, it's just like you have resentment towards your partner now. Oh, yeah. And you don't want that for either of you because as you can easily imagine for most men, it bothers the hell out of them. You know, they're embarrassed by it. It's causing low self-esteem. They're worried about how it's impacting the relationship and they might not be able to communicate any of that because they're embarrassed. They have shame. So just, just, I always just remind women, like remind yourself how insecure you can feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is the biggest quote unquote way men can show arousal and desire. And at 
one time or another, it could be thinking about a kitty cat when they were like 15 could have done it. And they're like, well, what does that even mean? You know? <laughs> so th- it, it, that what a confusing and complex thing. Cause that does, kind of thing doesn't happen to women. We get blood flow, but you don't necessarily notice that your nipples become more engorged and uh, you might get tingly in some places, but you are not to a place where you have to tell your teacher you can't get up from yes. your desk. You know what I mean? So just give them some grace in that regard because you hold a little bit of power in that and you should take that with responsibility, I think. So I always think this is um, interesting. There's four prescription medications for erectile dysfunction. And I think a lot of people know this, but I don't, I don't know if you know this, well, not you, like listeners, that Viagra was completely created on an accident. Really? Yes. I don't think I knew that. Yes. It was, um, I don't even know if I'm going to find it because I don't care that much. It was like, it was like a prescription med for high blood pressure or something. And they noticed it was a side effect of all, <laughs> for a lot of men. So they immediately relabeled it and started selling it as Viagra. That's funny. It is funny, but also shitty. Shitty. Because with four drugs like Viagra and Cialis and Levitra, and I've never heard of the Stendra, but that's the other one. Um, you know how many drugs are out there for women for low libido? I'm pretty sure it's zero. Zero FDA approved. Yes. And there's there's a couple that I've heard of that are in development. Trials, yeah. 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 But they are not approved yet. Yeah. And honestly, those are just the medications. There is testosterone therapy. There is another medication that can be used that says... Ooh, it could be administered via penile suppository yes. <laughs> or as self-injection at the base of the penis. Yes. Make sure you forward that to your partners, guys. Go ahead and just Google EDEX, capital E-D-E-X. <laughs> Ask your partner to Google image. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't, Don't do that. that. No, and I'm pretty sure that there's even pumps that they can oh, have. Oh, yeah. That, like, yes, that older, it creates, older men. That yes. Older men, I think, is an older method. It just increases blood flow, so same thing. Oh, yeah. But mm-hmm. it's... It, it cracks me up because it's a pump that they can yep. squeeze with their hand. Yep. And, and it literally and testicle. Su- yeah. And it literally pumps up their penis. <laughs> It'd be the same thing as if you put a cup around your mouth and suck real hard. Yeah. That's the same thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. But I did also like here that they uh, included some additional information that with medication, because it can cause side effects, you can absolutely incorporate other things like talk therapy, which might uh, help to resolve issues like stress, anxiety, PTSD, and depression. It says you also might benefit for talk therapy on the psychological sides because it will reduce major stress and anxiety factors, your feelings around sex, and subconscious conflicts that could be affecting your sexual well-being. This is on Healthline.com, by the way. Hey, look at that. The very next thing it actually says is vacuum pumps. (laughs) This treatment uses the creation of a vacuum to stimulate an erection. Blood is drawn into the penis as the device is used leading to an erection. It has two different... A few different components. Plastic tube, which you place over your penis, says that. A pump, which works to create the vacuum by drawing air out of the plastic tube. And an elastic ring, which you'll move to the base of your penis as you remove the plastic tube. Ah, so you put it on a C ring afterwards to maintain the erection. Yeah. Interesting. Because it constricts blood flow out Correct. of the penis. It's funny because it says the elastic ring functions. Oh, it, it talks about it. But um, the elastic ring. It's called a C ring. Okay, anyway. So... Yeah, so that is um, something, like, more often than not, like, I don't even usually recommend product for that. Like, no. I, well, that's not necessarily true. Because, like, if it's a sparing issue, then I usually, I mean, like, I talk about up all night, but I rarely say, I rarely recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not because I don't think it works. I just, I would hate for somebody to get it, and it has, like, nothing to do with the reason that their ED is happening. Um, so I usually almost always recommend a C-ring over 
um, the topical first. Well, and it's funny because I almost never recommend Up All Night for ED because it's a prolonging cream. Mm -hmm. It's not an erection cream. So Correct. So if, if you put it on a flaccid penis, the penis will never get hard. Correct. And I always tell women that if your partner has problems getting fully erect, you don't want to use this cream because then they will stay not fully erect. Right. But if they've achieved the erection and they put it on, then they're square. Which yeah. is what I tell them. But with somebody with ED, more than likely, they're not going to be able to achieve a full erection. Exactly. Correct. So that is why I do, I think that even like a basic C-ring, just to main, just like this vacuum pump described, that's what it is supposed to do. It oh, yeah. helps to maintain blood flow into the penis. So a lot of people always think that they're sexual. And it's, it's not necessarily for that. But yes, absolutely can increase pleasure because it increases blood flow. Um, a product though, like... Um, cream that has triplex tingle in it so a product that does tingle for some male partners or partners with a penis they might like cool warm or tingly effects or mm -hmm. a combination of those two especially around the testicles or on the main vein that'll stimulate blood flow into a more natural route um so that's great stuff too and I would totally recommend a CBD suppository for it. So not necessarily for anal play, but that is, that's the best way for uh, male partners or male bodies to be able to experience CBD on a pleasure level is because it's, you know, we've talked about this previously. Vaginal tissue is absorbent. So that's why you can use CBD into clitoral tissue and labial tissue. Unfortunately, penile tissue won't absorb CBD. So it works best to go through the rectum. Not only will that relax the prostate, hello, um, but then it can relax the entire pelvis. So yeah. it could increase blood flow that way too. So highly recommend that. Oh yeah. And something that's not, um, I guess, intimacy related, but if you have a partner that's suffering from ED and they're too embarrassed to go talk to a doctor yet, which oh, yeah. that, very that's common. a thing, very, very common. common. Um, ask Understandably. Them, ask them if they would be interested in going to a chiropractor because sometimes just Ooh, getting adjusted so and... And relaxing those those bones, those joints, those muscles may increase blood flow to to the pelvic region. So and relieve tension and stress. Oh yeah, because yeah. you don't even know where you carry it. Exactly. Like yeah. go get a massage. Go get adjusted by your chiropractor. You would be, you'll be blown you'll, away. I think you'll be blown away by the changes, not just in intimacy, but in everyday life, the quality of life. I've been going. I slipped a disc five years, oh my God, five years ago in my lower back. And I've, so I've been going regularly to a chiropractor for five years and I can tell when it's been too long between visits because I just get sore and stress like lives in my shoulder blades and I just hate it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. And I think that's a really great option because yeah. it's not just a bedroom related. Like if you're, if you're seeing a chiropractor regularly, if you're integrating Eastern and Western medicine together, you're going to see your Western doctor less often. Yep. And for some of you, you might be like, that sounds like a terrible idea. But if you really think of it, is it if you're on less prescriptions on your less copays, you're less anything in your insurance, uh, just less time, less stress, yeah. less exposure, any of these things, you need to get yourself some Eastern medicine. Oh, yeah. Other than my my OB doctor right now, the only person that I see is my chiropractor. And the last time, I can't even think the last time I went to a medical doctor. I don't even have a medical doctor anymore because right. I changed insurance. And that was in January. So it's been at least since before January since I've seen a medical doctor other than my OB because I have to see her every four weeks. Right. Um, excuse me, I had to burp a little bit. <laughs> a little classy. Yeah, it was really classy. Well, maybe that's our transition. To yeah, I was just going to say, well, and I was just like, well, I feel like we did a really good job at that one for sure. Uh, so takeaways for sure is like normalize it. Never make your partner feel guilty about it. Put yourself in their shoes. Know that, you know, that's not the intention for 
most most partners are not trying to. Um, and reach out to Jess or myself or definitely speak to a doctor or a medical professional. I say, don't speak. It doesn't have to just be a doctor. Yeah. Medical professional. Okay. Sweet. Um, so the next thing that we have on the list is let's talk, chat about adding toys to your life, to your bedroom, to your relationship, whatever. Well, I think we should start first with introducing toys to your own life correct like personal correct solo play if if you've never if you've never used a toy in the bedroom i always tell my clients first that the majority of women achieve orgasm through clitoral stimulation versus g-spot or other areas of the body because there's multiple different ways to achieve orgasms but the most common is clitoral yep and so i always recommend cl- like things that will vibrate externally and Sometimes we'll we'll play with they like the fullness feeling of a penis inside of them. So I'll recommend a toy that is what we consider dual action. But I always, always, always recommend for women that aren't positive if they've had an orgasm in their life before. We were just talking about this. If you don't think you've had an orgasm, you probably haven't. You probably haven't. haven't. Because you would know. You would know your body. Um, But I always recommend getting something internal that does not vibrate and simply letting the external vibrate first so that you can feel the difference. Yep. And then when you're ready to try and achieve that G-spot orgasm, take away all all of the clitoral um, first to see what it feels like internally so that you can tell the difference between the internal orgasm and the external orgasm. Because if you have both vibrations going, it's going to be hard to tell which is happening. Yeah. But they but it is it is fun to work up to. It's fun to work up to having multiple areas vibrating because then it just intensifies the orgasm and the pleasure, in my opinion. For sure. Um, And I think that this even has to go back to you just have to get really real with yourself about what in the world is that you think about bedroom accessories. Where did your ideas come from? How were you originally introduced to them? Was it a pleasant experience? And you should probably know that for your partner, too. But I would say that the catch is that often your partner either isn't like in tune with even sharing that information to you or might not know. They just know they feel a certain way. Somebody told them to feel a certain way or religion told them to feel a certain way, whatever. So you got to start with that. Um, because I think it's just so funny and cute. If you've ever like had one of those uh, stories where like the old grandma has the <laughs> quote unquote neck massager. Yes. And you don't really know if she knows, but you kind of <laughs> think she knows. It's like, if she knew, she probably wouldn't just have it like laying on her nightstand. But then again, who the f- knows when you're old, you don't give a shit about right. anything. So anyways, um, <laughs> so get real with how you feel basically about it is what I was going to go with that. And, um, no, I mean, we've talked about like, I can't even begin to tell you how long, ago sex toys have been around because when we think about them I think we only think about them in the modernized way mm-hmm. uh, when they started in doctor's offices which was like less than a century ago by the way so like modernized quote-unquote sex toys have not been around for like even more than two life spans yeah but I just spit on you was yeah. there things in the past that people used that either mimicked or were phallic shaped or what yes oh yeah god yes Oh, yeah. So. I'm I'm led to believe that people have been using AIDS in pleasure since they discovered that pleasure pleasure was a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, um, yeah. All right. So, what I talk about at my parties for ladies to do is, you know, like, 
we we discuss a lot about like just getting familiar with your body and so on and so forth but like i'll like literally tell them i don't care if you have to get yourself a bottle of wine and like do a cbd soak in the bathtub whatever you gotta do but with a bedroom accessory i highly recommend definitely consulting with your uh intimacy coach they can well, it's like my questions usually start for ladies have you ever had a toy in the past mm-hmm. we'll talk about that do you do you currently have any bedroom accessories at home what types are they, if you know, what do you like most about them and what would you change? And if somebody's like brand, brand new, then I would just start with, do you like internal stimulation, external stimulation, both are unsure. Um, just like you had discussed, because most women tend to like clitoral stimulation. And are you looking for something that you can primarily use by yourself with a partner or together? That's a good question. So, um, a lot of ladies like to invest in bedroom accessories that are smaller, Mm-hmm. that are less intimidating, that might not be an internal toy. Um, that's about it, I think. They just like something that doesn't... Sometimes it doesn't, if it doesn't look like a penis either, it's less threatening. Well, I have girls that they still live at home with their parents. Correct. So they want something that is discreet, not loud, and that they can not disclose, like hide. Mm-hmm. I can't, we're, I can't think of words right now. I hate pregnancy brain. But um, but yeah, so basically they want something that they're, like if they accidentally leave it on their bed, their parents, if they walk in, they're not going to know exactly what it is. Or roommates, siblings, whatever, right. children, whatever it may Any be. Any of those things. Any of those things. Um, but then it's also if they have partners that they haven't, either they haven't had the conversations about introducing sex toys to the bedroom or they've heard their partners say something in passing, like during a movie, during porn or something like, oh, that's disgusting. Or like, oh, I can't believe she would do that. Like, whatever. They don't want a toy that will intimidate their partner by size or function. And the great thing about sex toys, if you haven't Googled recently, like sex toys, not all of them are penis shaped. Like, I think it's more common now to have toys that are not penis shaped like very specifically penis shaped yeah yeah they're not like that anymore they're not and i mean you can get you can get as small as like a fingertip um like something that slips over your fingertip it's super small super discreet nobody would know that it was for your clitoris unless they knew what it was for correct um but you can also get as crazy and wild as there are chairs that you can sit on that vibrate you can get you can get robots that um that do things but just for simple, like, dildos or vibrators, you can get different shaped. Like, there's alien shaped or, like, yeah. tentacles, you yeah, know, like, animal shaped. Like, so many things. So many weird things. Be careful what computer browser you use <laughs> when you search for these things. But there are anything that you could imagine and some things that you could not imagine. Um, they have made into sex toys and vibrators. So Yeah. Yes. So after your bottle of wine, <laughs> after your CBD soak, uh, you get your non-threatening vibrator, whatever it is. And I always tell ladies, you want to start with your earlobes. Yeah. Because I think, again, part of the, the threatening piece or the intimidating factor is ladies think that they have to immediately HUD below the belt because that's just where all the pleasure zone is. But as we all know, you have... Nerve endings on the top of your head. You have them in your shoulder blades. You have them in your stomach. You literally have them to the very, very tippy tops of your toes. So from your head to your toes, you have nerve endings everywhere. You know that to be a fact. That's how you know if something is too hot. You know that if you have a sunburned skin. You know if you have a bug biting you. So you know you have nerve endings. But the problem is, is that you have a problem yourself with associating all of a sudden those nerve endings to pleasure. 
Because the minute they're associated to pleasure, that's dirty and shameful. Mm -hmm. So I think that for ladies, if you can start at the bottom of your earlobes, it's very non-threatening. It's a good place to start. And you might not even realize that it kind of feels pleasurable there. So if you're rubbing that, you know, neck massager... I'm calling it a neck massager. If you're rubbing that vibrator on the base of your neck, which is just an incredible massage if you've never done that, especially if you're addicted to your phone screen, okay, it's so good. But then you just start working your way down. So like lightly go across your collarbone if you really appreciate that. And obviously stop by your breast tissue and on your nipples and pay attention, especially the first couple of times to what really feels good and linger there a little bit. And then also make a mental note and maybe tell your partner. Mm -hmm. Um, So from there, then... You know, you can't, I mean, so you hang out in your tummy, like work your way down, of course. I don't know a whole lot of women that are like, yeah, I love it when somebody plays with my stomach. <laughs> but to each their own. You just never know. Oh, oh yeah. And then obviously you can start to head below the belt. Um, you can still start like on the outside of your thighs, like depending on how you are. Maybe you're in the bathtub still. You could roll over to your side and give your booty a massage. Oh, my God. Yeah, it feels so good. <laughs> you sit on those sit bones for eight hours a day sometimes, depending on what your job is. You have no idea how sore your tush gets. No idea. That's my favorite part about going to the chiropractor is that they adjust my lower hips and then she like... There's muscles in your butt or Mm -hmm. on your butt that attach to your spinal cord, like your tailbone. Right. And so massaging those out can help with lower back pain. And oh my God, I love it. It feels so nice. (laughs) Yes. So definitely do some butt massage. Do something on your top to the tops of your thighs. Pay attention because I guarantee for you, if you're kind of newer to stimulation or you're kind of unsure, once you start heading towards your thighs, you're, you might tense up, you might get uncomfortable. And so those are important things. Even by yourself, you're getting uncomfortable. So uh, that's okay. That's normal. So you just kind of have to go very, very slowly. And for some ladies, especially if it is their first time of even just using a bedroom accessory, um, you can leave your panties on and just use above uh, on top of your clothing. For some women, that's a necessity because they're that hypersensitive to mm-hmm. vibration. So you're going to figure it out. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is that I actually demonstrate like seven or eight ways to use bedroom accessories. Um, and I like, like jokingly shake all the vibrators and say for like different kinds of sex, but it's really for everybody's got different types of stimulation. And more important, like if you can use that bedroom accessory, like outside the box and you can really maximize your investment, you're going to be a happy person. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a few toys that we've sold over the years. Some that are, have been discontinued. I don't know why they don't consult me about these things, but no, they don't, <laughs> they, they don't. Um, but I definitely sold them as back massagers. We have one that if you, just one if, touch right now. Yeah. Um, Nessie freaking Oh, the mirror. Mira. There is a picture on social media that is still floating around because oh, people have on the baby. Yeah, because yeah. people have sent it to me yeah, since yeah, I've yeah. been pregnant. Like, oh, did you know about this? And I'm like, honey, I sold that. I'm like, yep. I own that. Yeah. But yeah, there's I mean, there are different uses and I have for sure had women who had babies that after, you know, purchasing a toy from me or whatever, or they purchased a toy specifically for helping their babies with colic because the vibration yes. is not Breaks as hard. Breaks up the mucus in the chest. Exactly. It's, it's not as hard as, as slapping their back and things like that. Mm-hmm. So Heck yeah, there are so many different uses, and you don't have to you don't have to feel taboo or gross like ugh, people put sex toys on babies. Um, yeah, a they're clean, so uh, they I'm better not, be clean. They better be clean. Not they better be clean. But I'm not wiping my vagina juices on my baby, and even if I did, they came out of my vagina. So. No shit, right? As long as it's your baby and you're not wiping it on somebody else's baby. Like. Right, right. Number one. Number one. Yeah, and I I mean legit, you can have more than one vibrator. So if you have a baby back massager yeah. and then you have a clitoral massager oh, yeah. and that's okay. Well, and then, uh, I don't remember if it's still called home alone or yeah. Uh, opening act. Opening act now. Yeah. It's, um, 
I have women that have bought two over the years. Like they bought one for the bedroom and then they bought one for their living room. Yeah, for a neck massage. Exactly. Exactly. And how cool of you as a parent to be associating that kind of thing to them as a normalcy. A normalcy. And um, for some of you, like, I don't feel like that's appropriate. That's cool. You don't have to think it's appropriate. Then just don't leave a neck massager out in the living room for your kids. That's cool. All right. So um, if you guys have questions about that, like, I feel like that y'all know. Okay. (laughs) You can come to us. Have a party, get into one of the groups. There's always a lot of really positive conversation that's happening around sexual wellness and intimacy building about that. But do yourself a favor. Get a toy. Get a toy. Well, and briefly we can talk about how to talk to your partner about bringing bedroom accessories into your relationship. Yep. I definitely think that the first conversation needs to be about pleasure and asking your partner what kind of things they like from pleasure and being on a level that you're comfortable talking about the prostate and you're, you know, you don't necessarily have to be doing anal things or whatever, but talking about body parts and what feels good and what's natural um, and making your your partner feel comfortable with having those types of conversations because they might not be. And a lot of guys or partners with penises are not comfortable because they haven't been in a relationship where they've talked about those things. Their only experience has been through porn or through uh-huh. common movies. Locky, and... Locker room talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So having those conversations, figuring out what's pleasurable to you and your partner, and then showing your partner that the non-threatening toys, the non like the, the, the vibrators that do not look like penises, the vibrators that look like neck massagers and just being like, Oh, I can't, I want to get this. Cause so-and-so said it, w- it felt amazing on their back. Mm-hmm. Introduce it as a back massager, use it on your partner and then, you know, start making, this is what, this is how I did it in previous relationships was I used it as a back massager and then I started, I was like, oh, I wonder what it would feel like vibrating other things. But before I put it on me in front of my partner, I put it on him, in, like, in the bedroom. Right. So that he could feel like, wow, like, yeah, like, this does kind of feel good. And, like, it's not, it's not replacing my sex life. It's not, right. it's not, you know, threat, like, I'm not going to threaten, like, oh, yeah. I'm just no longer going to have sex with vaginas because this vibrator feels amazing. Right. Like, it, I showed my partner was able to non-threateningly open up the possibilities for enhancing our bedroom life. But for me personally, it just worked better to show them versus tell them because in my experience with some partners that are no longer partners with, they were not open for the hypotheticals. They, they couldn't grasp the con like, no, like if we did that, it would just wouldn't be fun or I I don't think I would enjoy that. So I just went and got the damn thing and showed them like, you like it. Like it's enjoyable. (laughs) But I, I was or like aware enough not to buy the the giant sure big old black penis you know that right. would make them feel insecure or inadequate so i got the ones that didn't look like penises good baby steps baby steps baby steps awesome yes yeah, so definitely reach out to us if you guys have questions or concerns for sure um and that's all i'm gonna say that's all i'm gonna say okay cool all right so let's wrap up to uh the next topic which we've kind of already been working through with uh, the toy section, but it definitely is a really great way to end the conversation talking about orgasms. Um, So as Jess had mentioned earlier, this is definitely something that we have both heard where it's, I'm not sure if I've ever had an orgasm. What do you say to them when they say that? Then you haven't. You would know if you did. Yeah. And that is, and that's how I lovingly say to women as, and I actually for a long time added it into my demo. And that, well, no, I didn't, I wouldn't say like regular orgasms. I, I would, I talked about that with G spot. Cause I'm oh, like, yeah, yeah. if you are unsure, you haven't same thing. So if you're, well, if you've never had an orgasm, you can't relate, but if you have had clitoral or vaginal, but you've never had G spot, you can just think about how, 
how difficult that might be for somebody because if you've experienced an orgasm and you're like, well, sometimes I kind of feel something like when I'm on top or I'm using a curved toy or whatever, but I'm not sure. It's kind of the same thing for them, right? It's just like, well, it kind of feels good, but I don't know what it's supposed to feel like. So how am I supposed to determine if it's successful? But yeah, that's, that's what I tell them too is you'll know. <laughs> oh yeah. You'll know. You'll know. Uh, and I've watched over the years, like there's like, you know, even like even funny like Facebooky type videos where you can listen to women like, oh, it was a, it was a Netflix special. It was like, you, there's a whole series called Explained. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was a sex series and there was like three or four of them. And that was one of them. It was, like, the opening sequence was describe an orgasm. And it was so funny because, like, most of them were, like, this, like, full-body sensation. Like, it just feels like waves of pleasure. But some of these women were so descriptive that I'm like, damn, it sounds like they're tripping on Molly. Like, this girl's like, I close my eyes and all I see is colors of rainbows and I'm drifting down the river of... I'm like, whoa! Like, for real, she was tripping. Okay? Um, So, I, I can't say that it'll be that explosive of a description for you, especially if it's the first time around, but you're gonna know. Oh, yeah. Um, And I think the easiest ways to kind of figure it out is like I've, I've heard in the past somebody say like the full body sneeze but it feels good no that's not what it is not at least not in my opinion mm-hmm. but it's going to centralize from whatever part of the body that you're stimulating, stimulating. yes exactly and so if, if you're unfamiliar because I think a lot of women are is that they think there's really one only one way to experience an orgasm but there's so many different types of muscles and stimulators that you know clitoral orgasms are a thing it's very rare but some women um, can achieve orgasms through ear stimulation as well as just making out Mm-hmm. That would be really, really rare, I would say, but it's uh, nipple stimulation and orgasms are not as elusive as people think it is. No. And there's even, it's it's extremely rare, but there's even an entire documentary, I don't remember off the top of my head what it's about, or what it's called, um, but I think it's just a portion of the documentary. Anyways, it's about people who are so in tune with their thoughts uh-huh. and their brains yes. that even without any physical stimulation... Um, with their eyes closed, they can just think themselves off. They can think themselves to an orgasm. I did see that too. It's, it's, uh, well, it's some chick. Well, duh. <laughs> um, I don't remember who, but I remember that too. And and honestly, like it might have been just a documentary about orgasms, to it be honest, been, because yeah. it was in that. It might have been the same thing, but I also saw like where these women were undergoing this treatment because they couldn't have an orgasm, mm-hmm. and so they were. And here's where I was going with that: is that. Um, it's a, literally is a mental stimulation because it's through your spinal cord that connects all of the nerve endings that yep. go into all of the great things in your pubic area, which then obviously shoots up to your brain. So it is absolutely possible. I feel like I, I find uh, a lot of women are surprised to find out that women can have orgasms while they dream. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and if men can have wet dreams, as they are so-called, um, how I, I'm, I'm, it's not accusatory, but it's not that hard of a concept to think about no. for women to be able to do. And it's... I... Personally, I mean, this is a personal, I've shared personal things on here before, but like, I don't think I've ever had a, an orgasm where I wasn't using some type of physical stimulation, but I've gotten to the point where I'm either watching porn. So it's a, it's a mental visual stimulation, um, or I'm having like a, just a really nice fancy daydream. And I feel like when I go to the bathroom, I'm like, wow, it, it feels like, you know, when I'm cleaning myself up, it feels like I just had, like, a, a giant orgasm. Like Yeah, it's the, all that blood flow. It's all that blood flow. So it it feels pleasurable to the point where I'm like, I could very easily have an orgasm if I stimulated, like, physically had stimulation at this point. Yeah. So it's definitely something to explore, mm-hmm. especially if you've never achieved, or if you're not sure if you've ever achieved an orgasm. Yeah, and I would be curious, honestly, because as you talk about, like, you you said, I'm almost positive I've never had an orgasm without some type of stimulation. And when we say stimulation, we're not talking just about vibrators. That can be manual stimulation. Yes. Um, as, like, when a lot of girls are growing up and they're discovering their bodies, like, 
pillows. Pillows, side of the couch, side of the bed. Like, like things any, like that. Anything that you can rub against. Correct. Exactly. So I, just, I say that because what you're talking about is like that I, I believe for most women it does require some stimulation. Mm-hmm. But if you are newer to orgasming and haven't done it yet or whatever, you kind of think about that potential power that you house, that if you were kind of able to train your brain about how physical stimulation in your earlobes or your nipples is such a sensation that is very, very, very arousing to the brink of almost an orgasm. Can you imagine what it would be like when you do experience an orgasm via your clitoris or vaginal tissue or whatever? Okay, yeah. It's going to be intense. Yeah. Brace yourself. (laughs) Yeah. And then put me in your will. Okay, so, uh, yeah, so orgasm. So... Again, 70% of women have to have external stimulation for orgasm. Vaginal orgasms, I think, are probably more sporadic for people. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also more rare. That would be basically if you were able to achieve an orgasm. Um, it doesn't have to be primarily from penetration, but that would be what it is. Yes. Because it's that first one to three inches of your vaginal walls. That's the internal portion of your body. Your vi- vagina is nowhere outside your body. A lot of people don't know that. That would be like clitoral tissue and labial tissue. That's what that is. It's not a vagina until it's actually inside your body. So that would be where you would experience a potential orgasm. Then you can also have a G-spot orgasm, which this is where I think those are two. I I want to use the word messy. But like they're so interconnected, you might not even be able to tell which is which. Oh, yeah. So just know that. And then there's also called blended orgasms where you might be able to. Oh, there's also anal, by the way. Anal would also be kind of more rare, but some women can experience orgasm that way. Uh, and then there's blended. So you could have all of them happening at once, which you might die for real. <laughs> but you could be having like um, nipple and clitoral orgasms at the same time. Oh, yes. or, and, and I think it's common for G-spot, vaginal, clitoral, all that happening too. Oh, yeah. Well, and your G-spot is connected tissue to the clitoris. It's the Correct. internal part of your clitoris. Mm-hmm. Your clitoris is obviously external. So if you are stimulating both your G-spot and your clitoris at the same time, it's very, very plausible and possible to achieve that blended orgasm at the same right. time. Right. And so, uh, and when you think about blended, I think that people might just think like two pulsating points of your body, but you're probably just going to feel like this euphoric wave entire over your entire pelvic region. Yes. So, um, and that's what's fun about it is that we can't tell you. Like, you're just going to have to figure out your body. You're going to, like some oh, women, you know, clitoral orgasms are just right there and they're there. But for other women, it's like their whole lower body goes numb. Um, and I will say, I don't like to say personal experiences very much, but I will say that the more you get in tune with your body, the more your pleasure will increase over time with the same types of stimulation Oh yeah. because you're becoming more comfortable or you're fine tuning the, maybe I need a little extra pressure here or a little bit faster vibration there or an extra hand here, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, you'll just become more comfortable with that kind of thing. So fun homework for sure. Fun homework for sure. And if you're experiencing... Once you graduate from exploring your own body to having your partner explore your body, get comfortable somehow. Practice talking out loud and telling your partner what feels good mm-hmm. and what stimulation they want. But something that I've found with a lot of my clients is they're like, oh, well, I, I say like, oh, that feels nice. And then my partner switches it up and it's like I lose that sure. that build up towards the orgasm. So have a very, even if you've been having sex with the same partner for 10 years, if you have never had this conversation, I think it's important for everyone to have talk to your partner and let them know that when you start to enjoy something, if you're the type of woman that wants that same thing the same way and not nothing to change and that's how you're going to achieve that orgasm, right? Communicate that to your partner so that Correct. you're not frustrated 
every time you say, oh, that feels nice, and then they switch it up on you. Right, because that they just don't know what your cues are. Because exactly. in porn, yes. that usually is an indicator, go faster, go harder. Yes. Because of a scene, not because of your intimacy needs. Exactly. So, yeah, so you can't be angry with somebody if they do not know what your expectations are. Um, and just remember, if the expectations are clear, you go on do it more. Yes. Yeah, cool. Uh, so that one's like a little shorter and sweeter, I think, but it, it's hard because it does take so much of homework on your part. It just, it takes conversation with a trusted person to figure out what kind of stimulation might be best for you. Uh, you definitely should have a lubricant because I mean, oh, yeah. I don't even care if you naturally lubricate ladies. Number one, that happens externally. That doesn't happen inside the vaginal walls. So you're not as protected as you think. Number two, if you are just getting to know your body or maybe you're in a brand new relationship with somebody, um, anxiety and nerves can impact the amount of lubricant that you're producing so you still could end up with rips and tears um, but that's ultimately what you're trying to do is to get to the best experience you've ever had and I would hope at least every single time you're trying yeah. so why not make it the best that you've ever had I mean, it, and I mean we talked about lubricant before so start small just don't overdo it I think that's what people do wrong with it and then they think that there's something wrong with lube oh yes and it's not it's not and the last thing I think I'll say about orgasms is, especially if you're in a relationship with another person, um, orgasms are not the end-all be-all with intimacy. So if you have that expectation that every time you have sex with a partner, that you're both going to have orgasms every single time, um, change your expectations so that you're not always feeling let down, let down fed up, whatever, frustrated. Not fulfilled. Um, exactly. But if it is important to you that you have more orgasms in your life with your partner, you need to communicate that as well because... You don't want to be in a lopsided relationship where one partner is always achieving orgasm and the other partner is never achieving mm -hmm. orgasm because then there is going to be room for resentment and frustration to grow within your relationship. Right. And ev everything in life is cyclical. So if it starts in the bedroom, you may, you may not even realize that that's what you're feeling in the bedroom, but you're going Correct. to start, you're going to start seeing yourself snapping at your partner um, in the kitchen about food, about children's pick up and drop off times. Yes. So make sure that you're having that. You turned a mountain in from a molehill. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. Yes. So have that com that communication, but also understand that the end all be all is the connection and the intimacy. Yep, exactly, and that ultimately will that's will, the crown. Yeah, and it will yep. if you can if if you can rewire your brain to to understand that you're there for the connection and the intimacy, you will start to achieve more orgasms. Right, because you're not so hyper focused on that. Exactly, or but, the lack thereof. Yes. So if you're focused on if you're coming from a place of lack and you're focusing on what you don't have in your life, you're not going to get it in your life. You're going you're, to you're stay get more stuck. lack. Yes, you're going to get more lack in your life. And that I we all have to discuss that on an entire podcast, honestly, because when we talk about focusing on what you don't want, that was where I think I was stuck the longest. Is oh like I didn't understand how if I was thinking about what I didn't want, why it kept showing up. And that I was under the impression that I was sending out the universe the right messages because mm -hmm. I was focusing, I thought, on what I wanted. I was always focusing on what I didn't want. But even once you can get clear about that, I don't think people realize the power of how much it attracts more of that back into their life. Oh, yeah. Like, if you can just even convince them, but what if you just said it more positively? Instead of saying, I don't want bad sex, you could say, I want great sex. They're the same thing on a surface level to your thought right now. Okay, but yeah. they're not when you're talking to the universe. I feel like we've, we've definitely mentioned it on a couple podcasts, but I'm with my parenting style. That's definitely where I've shifted to instead of teaching my children the negative words of don't do this, don't do that. I'm trying to teach them positive things and we build do their this. confidence. This yeah. is what you're allowed to do. Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, can we have quiet, like, 
Can we have we quiet voices? Quiet voices, yeah. Yes. And we we need to have our feet on the ground at all times instead of stop jumping on the furniture 10,000 times because then all they hear is jump on the furniture. Number one, and it frustrates the crap out of you. Oh, God, yeah. Because so. you're only getting more of what you don't want. Yep, yep. Yep. Okay, so super smart stuff for sure. Um, let's just wrap it up and tell them where they can find you again. Yeah, photoswithanderson.com or on Facebook. You can also search for Boudoir Photos with Anderson because that's where it's happening. Mm-hmm, that's right. So, um, you know, what I think is fun about our podcast is like for almost everything people do, they have, um, the, well, in business world, they call it an actionable step, okay? In um, salespeople terminology, it's how do you get people to come back to you basically. Right. So we almost never like, yes, we talk about the class. Yes, we talk about whatever, but we never talk about like, where do you go from here? If this is you struggling with intimacy, but we do, we want you to message us. We'll tell you where to go. We'll tell you what we can do. So make sure to message me if you need to be in the VIP page, as long as you're 18 years old or in feminine energy empowerment class happening tonight. So if you'd like to jump in on the August class, make sure to let me know and message me and tune in tomorrow for Tony's kitchen cooking for sure. So thanks for tuning in guys. We appreciate you. Stay happy, stay healthy and wash your hands. Bye-bye.